Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I'm going to talk to us today about love's correction uh, and false flattery versus love's correction. I'm going to start off with just sharing my verse, which I have in four different translations, because if you didn't know, the Bible wasn't written in English. And it's fun to look at different translations and the way that people have translated it with him, um, because it really gives you a wider perspective, because the original languages that was written in, those words can mean a lot of things in our English words. And so I love that God talks in pictures Even when he uses words, Jesus shares parables because he wants every word that he says to you to mean a thousand words. And that's why everything that he says has such a depth to be explored with him, because everything he says to you means a thousand more things than what you think originally. So that's why it's fun to read in different translations and then ask the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? I'm going to start in Proverbs 27. Uh, five and six, verses five and six. I'm going to start in the voice. Um, You can turn there. I might come back to it over and over, but it's really just two or three verses from there that we're going to talk about. So let's read it in the voice first. Open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds inflicted by the correction of a friend prove he is faithful. The abundant kisses of an enemy Show his lies. Let's read it in another version, shall we? Let's read it in the Amplified. I like the Amplified because it's much like the older translations I'm used to, like New American Standard, but it adds in those extra words to tell you what could also be meaning there and to give more context. So it says, uh, same verses, better is an open reprimand of loving correction than love that is hidden. Faithful are the wounds of a friend who corrects out of love and concern, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful because they serve his hidden agenda. What have we been talking about this month? What do you think that your soul likes to hear more? Be honest. They don't care what the agenda is. Just kiss me. (laughs) Tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm going to be okay. Tell me everything is great and fine. Right? It is true. Your soul wants a lot of flattery. (laughs) Not the correction. No, please. No, thank you. It is not love. I do not see it. So when your soul is in the lead, how do you think that you act? in a way to get flattery. Not in an open, vulnerable way to pursue correction. That's why I want to tell that soul, get back. Because what do you think your spirit's actually hungry for? I'm going to talk about it a little bit more a little bit later, but it's fathering. It's maturing. The spirit is hungry to be fathered. Us in the natural Not so much because we didn't know what that looked like because what kind of generation do we come from? It's not much good fathering going on. Again, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But I love how Tisa recently shared that we don't want to hide our immaturity. And that's what we do when our soul is in the lead. We try to shove it back there. I'm not immature. I'm all good. I know what I'm doing. I'm an expert at everything. Or we get real small and be like, just don't look at me. I'm not doing anything. I've never messed up anything. I'm just going to stay at home and take no risks because I could mess something up. I fall in that camp sometimes. So we either do one or the other thing because we're avoiding what? Correction. Now, correction is the thing that we need. Do you see how our soul just avoids that very thing we need? It doesn't get what it needs. It goes about it this weird way and never gets its needs met because it can't. It can't. So how much better is it to let yourself on out there to be seen and then to be shaped? Let people see you. It's not comfortable. 
and they'll never be comfortable. You'll never be like, this is so comfy to be corrected. But you can actually get to a place where you choose that purposefully and step into that because would you rather be trained or remain where you are? Raise your hand if you're really happy where you are and you never want to grow anymore. Oh, come on back there. I see. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no one raised their hands. That's a big surprise. I really thought someone would be happy where they're at and never want to grow. It's just not true. You see how your soul doesn't get what you what you want? So your soul doesn't like that. It wants to remain. It's always, it's what we talked about. The soul doesn't like change. No matter what, even if you're not in a good place, it's like, I'd rather be here than be challenged to step out. I'd rather hang out in this mud puddle than be challenged to take the walk down the street to the beach. Let's move down a verse. If you're with me on Proverbs 27, we're going to go to verse 7. Uh, we're going to do it in the Passion Translation. Just for, since I didn't read it in the Passion Translation, let's start in 6, and then I can go to 7 in the Passion. Because I love the Passion. So verse 6, you can trust a friend who wounds you with his honesty but your enemies pretend flattery comes from insincerity. And this is the next verse. Remember, we're talking about soul management. The next verse, when your soul is full, you turn down even the sweetest honey. But when your soul is starving, every bitter thing becomes sweet. So your soul wants flattery. It wants to put on a, a mask and say, look at how good I am to put on a show, when you get filled with that, then you don't even want the goodness of God. You're full. You don't need anything. That Your soul is filled with things that aren't the kingdom. And then on the other side of that, like I talked about, if you're the one that stays small, you probably have a lot of negative talk and your soul is filled with pride and self-loathing. All of that lack of self-confidence, that negative talk, that's actually pride. And your soul is filled with it to the point where you can't hear the good words of a good father. Wow. So if your soul is full, you won't receive correction. How can you expect to take the hard words that you need when you won't even take the sweet words from him? That's so good. Now, when your spirit is hungry you will find even the bitter correction to be sweet. You will get to a place where you are so hungry that when someone corrects you, you will, like Tisa said, Mama Lynn's response, thank you, I will correct that. You will be happy. Thank you for seeing me. Oh, I don't like that I do that. I don't like that I'm there. I want to be better. I want to be more mature. I want to be different. I want to be growing. Thank you for telling me I poop my pants. It's a good example because we all know what that would be like. We'd be like, oh, it's terrible. But then we do other things. We're like, well, I don't know if that was so bad. I don't know that I needed to be corrected for that. I don't know. And it's like, well, you just pooped your pants. And someone's trying to tell you that they can help you to not do that anymore. And you could be like, thank you. I don't like having poop in my pants. Instead, you're like, well, I think it might be okay if I poop my pants every now and then. I'm a grown adult. I can do what I want. Your soul is full of poop. It always comes back to poop, I guess. <laughs> so if we're talking about how you have to be hungry to receive his sweetness and to receive even the correction as sweetness, how do you get hungry in the kingdom? You eat. It's not like you get hungry in the world by starving yourself. You have to feast. This house is a great way. We pour out worship. We pour out amazing words all these groups that participate. There is a lot to feast on. I don't know if you know it, but there's a buffet set out. And sometimes there's people over in the corner acting like they're hungry. Just come get a plate anytime it's being served. Aaron's asked for your drink order four times. <laughs> there's a lot to feast on. But the main thing that I love to feast on, a good place to start would be the word, the Bible, la Biblia. Now, I love the Bible. It's such a sweet little love letter. I've been leading our homeschool kids in Bible study, and I love getting to think about it as I prepare the lessons, that this is a love letter from God to them. How do I teach them his heart as this is a love letter? 
and I just have that filter on and I say it to them all the time, what is the Bible? Now they know to say it back, right, Army? You know to say it back to me. What's the Bible? A love letter. He knows to say it back to me. I swear. It wasn't on my, I promise he said it. <laughs> it's a love letter to us. So a great place to feast is on the Bible. Let's read. This is actually the verse that I give to all the kids. This is our class verse that I have as our, our focus. I print out these cool little cards for them, and this is on there. It's 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. Uh, I like it in the voice here. All of Scripture is God-breathed. That puts an end to that argument. In its inspired voice, we hear useful teaching. Yeah. Great. You all knew that teaching came from the Bible, right? Yeah. What about rebuke? It says rebuke comes from that as well. It's the next word there, rebuke, correction, instruction, and training. I would say that rebuke and correction are part of instruction and training. So that is what the word does. And it's for, it says, for a life that is right. So that, so that God's people may be up to the task ahead and have all they need to accomplish every good work. That's the Bible. Why would you not read that? Why would you... Say you read it, but not like correction. It's going to correct you. You're going to have to just turn the page real quick when you come to that part. Special on those Pauline letters. Oh, no. Romans, huh? Scary. But that's the thing. The Bible is God's love letter to you. And what is correction? It's love. It is filled. Let me tell you, I've read the Bible. It's filled with correction. Every story, every page, there's some kind of correction going on because correction is love and it's a love letter. That's what love does. It corrects because what love does is call you to your highest place. It calls out the gold in you. It says, I see gold in you. Let's clean it off and shine it up. Now that is one place where correction comes. Tonight I want to look at four places where correction comes from. That one is kind of a, a cheater one because the next two are too connected to count the word as the first one. So number one is the father. As we've said, this is a fatherless generation. We had most likely either an absent father, passive father. Some of us even had abusive fathers. We learned to act because of this like we don't need fathering. Yeah. Yes. I was just briefly messaging with Tisa and she sent me this little nugget of why do we, why does a father this generation not want a father? Because the way we were raised taught us, I don't need fathering. I don't need that. I didn't have it. So I don't need it. And we won't receive it when it doesn't look like we expect when it's not an earthly father, when we have to go straight to the heavenly father or something I learned in this house when I first came, when it's not a man. But I will tell you that the women in this house know how the father. Because when men wouldn't step up, they said, I'll do it. I'll father. And it's so beautiful that God put in them the ability to do that. Because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Pam's fathering, for Teresa's fathering. I don't even know where I'm going now. It's just getting me emotional. <laughs> so a fatherless generation, we have taught ourselves that we don't need the fathering. We either miss it or we reject it. And our hearts become hardened to the natural desire we have to be fathered. So then we don't seek it out and to learn. And we don't know what a heavenly father's love really looks like. That's exactly part of that survival mechanism that CC talked about recently. If you do not know your identity as sons and daughters, then you will not know how to be fathered. You have to get your ID. He wants to tell you you're a son. If you do not believe you're a son, then you will not accept his fathering. So we must break that orphan spirit in us. A fatherless generation is a generation of orphans. And we need healing for that. 
There's lots of sozos to be had. But when it comes down to it, we have to break partnership with it. We have to choose no more. There is truth presented to me. There is a father who's loving me and I will receive. My throat's real dry. So break partnership with the orphan spirit. Shut that down. I'm going to just read a few more verses here because I love the Bible. <laughs> I got three different translations of this one too. Maybe I should read all of them. I don't know. I can't just decide which one's the best one now without reading them all silently. So I guess I'll just read them all out loud. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. First in the passion, my child, when the Lord God speaks to you, never take his words lightly. Never be upset when he corrects you. For the father's discipline comes only from his passionate love and pleasure for you. Even when it seems like his correction is harsh, it's still better than any father on earth gives a child. This is just verse 12 in the Amplified. For those whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. And this is in the voice, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not ignore the eternal's instruction or lose heart when he steps in to correct you. Because the eternal proves his love by caring enough to discipline you. Just as a father does his child, his pride and joy. So you want God's correction because you're his pride and joy. He delights in you. You're his pleasure. You want God to talk to you like this. He will be sweet and he will be gentle and he'll be that way your whole life if that's what you need and that's where your maturity stays. Because he's madly in love with you and he will pursue you where you're at. If all you can take is milk, then he'll give you milk. But he wants to give you meat. He wants to give you the correction that will make you strong. What parent wants their baby to stay a baby? I mean, they're cute, but don't you want them to stop pooping everywhere? Don't you want them to grow up and be powerful and accomplish things and have dreams? I'm thinking... It proves you are his sons and daughters when he disciplines you. I want to allow him to talk to me that way. I'll be honest, I'm kind of a baby. I don't take harsh talk very easily. <laughs> I always used to joke that I would never make it in the military because if a drill sergeant yelled at me, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I mean, I probably wouldn't like break down crying, but I'd probably walk away and just be done. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to leave now. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for the attempt. <laughs> I couldn't, I don't know if I could do it, but I need coaching. I need it. I'm really glad I have people in my life that will shoot it to me straight and just tell me, that will call me and say, what are you doing? I've had that conversation. It's not good. It's not easy. I'm not like, yippee. <laughs> but it proves that they love me. How many of you have heard God's voice that way where it was a correction? And you were able to say, thank you. I will correct that. Let's read Hebrews 12, 5 through 8. And the passion. And have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? He said, my child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God. Or get depressed when he has to correct you. Get out your soul. That's called pity. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves that you are his delightful child. Thank you. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training. For he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who has never had to be corrected? We all should come, 
should we all should welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship, daughtership. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves that we are strangers, not sons. If you always hear God's voice in a sweet and gentle way and he never challenges you, it may be that you've limited how he can talk to you. Maybe you've turned your own soul into God. You have to yield to his fathering to be matured, and you have to be humble to receive that. I like Brian Simmons. I just heard him say this today. Uh, He said that humility to be humble is a choice. It can't be taught. So you got to stop waiting for someone to give you that breakthrough teaching so you can be humble and just decide to get on your face and be humble and say, I need correction because I am making a mess out of things. I need correction. And maybe I'm not making a mess out of things, but I'm not where I want to be. My daddy told me I should change the world. I'm not where I want to be. So I want correction. Now, like I said, it may be that you're on the other end of that spectrum, and maybe you've only ever heard him with a stern voice and even a mean way, but that's not him either. That's the religious spirit. And it's not what we're talking about. That's not love's correction. When it comes to correction, it's in love. The Father only speaks through love. It's why the Bible is a love letter. If you see anything in in the Bible that's not his love, you're seeing it wrong. So that religious spirit, just like that orphan spirit, must be broken. You need to get healing, sure, but you also have to make the choice to break it. I refuse to allow that spirit to continue to talk in my life because I have a good dad. And I don't appreciate a spirit telling me that he would ever talk to me in a way that a loving father wouldn't. So I will not receive a single word that that spirit has. That is the attitude you have to carry. I refuse any ungodly thought that would come my way because my God is a God of love. And love looks like correction. So maybe you just need to redefine that for yourself. (laughs) I think I put that in my notes somewhere, but I'm jumping ahead. But I know that was a big thing for me to realize because the way I grew up, correction was always for someone else's benefit. Whoever was correcting me, it was for their benefit. And so when I came into this house and received correction and realized this is sacrificial for them to come to me and to correct me. They are taking time out of their day to come and counsel me and tell me that what I'm doing isn't right. That's for me. Because a person that I never met, and that this happened, I came to this house and I did a few things that weren't great. And I got phone calls that said, hey, what are you thinking there? I said, I don't know. And I realized they saw something in me not even knowing me. But they saw me in the spirit. They saw, because I have a dad who loves me and he told them about me. And so they spoke life into me through correction. When I realized that correction out of love is always for my benefit and sacrificial to the one who gives, that was a game changer. When that comes back up in my notes, I might repeat it. We'll see. Hey, look, we are one point down on four points of this sermon. (laughs) The next way we get correction is through Jesus. You know, loving Jesus, sweet Jesus, who's never... He's just, he's just real sweet and nice and no, not always. And it's not just the Pharisees. We all know that Jesus is rough with the Pharisees. Get out of here, Pharisees, you vipers. But he also rebuked his disciples over and over again. You don't have to read much of the Bible to get to those points where he's like, do you have any faith? How long must I dwell with you? I'm sure that's how he said it. Let's even look at what the word disciple means. Where do you think we get the word discipline? We all want to be a disciple, but then do we all want to be disciplined? Nope, sorry. I don't want to be disciplined. 
Can we give a different word for it? <laughs> I'll be a student. He used the word disciple. I think we might have bad definitions for what discipline means. It's not a physical punishment. It's a shaping and a forming, which is why they're disciples, because they're being shaped and formed by a teacher. And so part of being shaped and formed is correction. I was just reading Revelation the other night. I like Revelation. It's fun, because most of people don't understand that it's a love letter. <laughs> it's part of the Bible. It's also a love letter. But there's some letters inside of Revelation of Jesus and he is correcting his church. And I would say that the word rebuke fits right there. (laughs) He's telling them, stop what you are doing. Like a good dad does when a kid's acting up. Hey, stop. Why are you acting that way? Why? For their benefit. Let's look at Hebrews 4, 12 through 16. In the Passion Version, for we have the living word of God. Who's that? Jesus. Which is full of energy, like a two-mouthed sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God, For nothing that we do remains a secret, and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes, to whom we must render an account. So much for all the masks we were wearing, trying to act like we're all tough, and the other ones of us trying to not risk it, just stay at home. I'm I'm not doing anything. Can't hide anything. He knows who you're supposed to be. Even if you don't, you could just ask. Continuing, verse 14, so then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true, for we have a magnificent king priest. I want to go back because the end of verse 13 says, to whom we must render an account. Who, when I read that, is like, oh, I got to render an account. Nothing's hidden. Who, who, anyone feel that way? Just me. Okay. I sure used to, because that's religion. But just follow it to the next verse. Read it in context. So then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us and our frailty. Huh. Oh, that's the one we're giving an account to. Interesting. (laughs) because that doesn't sound as scary anymore that he sympathizes with me and my frailty. He understands humanity. Oh, well, that's helpful too. For as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are, and he conquered sin. So now we draw near freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned. Oh, yeah, the one that we render an account to, we draw near to him freely and boldly. Not afraid that we're going to be in trouble, but boldly, where grace is enthroned, to do what? To receive mercy's kiss. Oh, interesting. That's what rendering an account looks like. Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) And discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. So if we're in a weakness and he brings a correction, what's the purpose? To strengthen. Sometimes that correction can be a kiss. So again, we have to break that orphan spirit that says, they just don't understand my pain, my struggle. Ah, it says right here, Jesus understands. He sympathizes with our frailty, understands our humanity. Your struggle's not worse than his. Just before that in Hebrews, I didn't read it, but it talks about, have you suffered as much as Jesus? I don't see anyone in here that has, so if you have, we'll talk after. (laughs) Don't come up to me saying you have. (laughs) We will learn about correction. (laughs) So he says to draw near. He experienced this life just like you, and he conquered. 
So he says, draw near to me. I know how to conquer. Oh, I know how to beat it. I know how to do it. Draw near to me. Why would you not? If I really want to, what's something I really want to do? Learn to play the guitar. Why would I not go to Aaron? Aaron knows how to play guitar pretty well. Why would I just sit at home and be like, I'll figure it out, I guess. <laughs> I would go, if I want to conquer in this life, why not go to the one who conquered in this life? <laughs> right. Let him correct you. So he says, draw near and receive grace. His kiss, you urgently need it in your time of weakness. This is the kiss of love's correction. The sword that divides what? Soul and spirit. Hey, soul, let me bring this sword in, cut you down back here again, and let that spirit step in the front. That's why you need the living word. Tell your soul to get back there, because I'm about to get some correction, and it's going to be good. <laughs> I've mentioned a few times about the Bible study that we did. Recently, we were talking, um, we're going through the book of John right now, and we were talking about all the ways that Jesus uh, expresses who he is, the way, the truth, and the life, as our worship said earlier. That's what we're actually discussing tomorrow. Perfect timing. <laughs> but recently, we discussed the moment where Jesus was talking about communion, and he offended everyone, and everyone started leaving. And it said he had a lot of disciples at that time. There were all disciples around him, and they all started leaving, and he turned to the 12, will you leave also? And their response, where would we go? You have the words of life. And it was in that moment I remembered a previous class where I had talked on John chapter 1 when Jesus got his first disciples. The two disciples come running after him after they've got permission from John the Baptist. They were his disciples first. And they were like, "That's." John says, that's the one. He says, okay, bye, John. We want Jesus now. And what does Jesus do when they come to Jesus? The first thing that he does is say, what do you want? He makes them question their motive. Yeah. What do you want? I love in the passion, in the footnote, it says that's the first question that you will always get if you want to follow Jesus. He will question your motive. Why do you want to follow me? The Bible being a love letter, that being my focus in the class, of course, why did the disciples want to follow him? What was, what their response was, where do you live? We want to be in relationship with you. We want to go with you. We want to live with you. We're not in it for anything else but relationship. That's a good motive. Yeah. That's the motive that kept those 12 from being offended. Yeah. We want relationship with you. Yeah. That's all we want. I don't want treasure. I don't want to look good. I want you. Yeah. Let me tell you, if you are in it, for the wrong reasons, you will never receive correction as love. You have to have your goal to be relationship. If you're in it for any other reason, it's going to be a real hard road for you. He's going to pursue you. He's going to take you dragging, but kicking and screaming. But your motivation is important. If your motivation is your love for him, then correction will come easy. Yeah. We even talked about that recently. I like how we often flip it that if we obey his commandments, then we love him. That's how we love him. It's not really what it says. It's, as Seth Dahl says, I saw recently, biblical dyslexia. It's the other way around. Yeah. You love him, and that empowers you to obey him. Yeah. You love him, and that empowers you to receive correction. Yeah. That's Jesus. He corrects you. He'll gather his whip and kick over your tables if you're not careful. <laughs> Don't put it past him. He's kicked over a few of my tables. I appreciate it. Every time I leave saying thank you, can I have another? Okay, sometimes I cry. I'll be honest. All right, that's two points down on the four points of our sermon. Number three, for those keeping track at home is the correction of others to us. I've said that a couple of times now, but love is shown by correction. When someone loves you and they see a place where you need alignment, 
it shows their love for you that they would say something. They could not. They could not care. You got a lot of that in the world. I'm sure of it. There were plenty of places where, let's just go back to the analogy because it's such a good one. You pooped your pants. And people just said, I've got smells. I'm going to go over here. <laughs> Yikes. And those weren't strangers. Those were your best friends doing that. Or they went over here and said, did you see how he pooped his pants? Everyone look. Those were your friends. Your best friends. And you probably still called them best friends after them. <laughs> These are my best friends. Yep, that's just how we are, friends. Why? Because you don't know love's correction. You don't know fathering. Honestly, that was one of the first things I got corrected on coming into this house. Uh, I came from people being really mean to each other, and that's how we joke. That's how we showed love. It's not it. I didn't know love. That was my first correction. Let me tell you, I was real grateful for it. You mean to tell me that people can just honestly tell me they love me, and they don't have to say a mean joke, and I have to just infer that they love me? Wow. Game changer. But that's the society we live in. We don't know love like that. It is love when someone sees you and corrects you. What a beautiful partnership we have in this tribe. People are so invested in shaping us. They give a lot of time, a lot of their lives for you. It's not even the things you see. It's not just the phone calls that you get. It's hours and hours that you will never know about. Everyone here, I'm sure, that I can see in this moment has had a life-changing moment because someone was willing to speak truth to you. And if anyone listening hasn't had that, come on down. We'll give it to you. I like when I first started doing counseling with Tisa, I think she talks about it sometimes, she would throw me softballs and I'd be like, I could leave, I could just leave. Ah, it's too much, it's so hard. But they were softballs, they were little tiny, weak corrections. Could you just adjust, ow, why? <laughs> I'm still trying to get thick skin, guys. I'm still trying to get thick skin. <laughs> but when I see it as correction, or when I see it as love, it changes things. When I see, man, she really loves me. She sees me. Then when I get a text that says, hey, uh, let's not do that again. I will look into why I did that. I will partner with the Holy Spirit. I will bring it back to you and I will discuss it with you and I will see what I can do to change that and mature out of that. Thank you. Whew. And then I cry a little later. <laughs> We're being honest and vulnerable. I don't want my soul to get its way all the time. I'm real glad that no one around here will allow that. <laughs> I'm real glad that if I even try to get let my soul get out of, in the front, people are like, uh, excuse me. And I go, yeah, get back there. Get back there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you doesn't always come that quickly. We're working on getting it quicker. Thank you. I will believe that that was good for me. I don't want people around me that will allow me to settle for my lowest places. I want to be called out and called up. Anyone on board with that? Hands, hands going up. All right. Yeah, I like it. I'll keep you accountable on that. Do we have cam oh, we don't have cameras that face this way. <laughs> I was once talking to somebody and I could see them really clearly. And I knew they were making choices that were dangerous. And the Holy Spirit gave me this analogy that if you were at the pool going swimming and you love to dive into the pool, would you want the lifeguard to tell you, hey, it's only three feet right there? Or would you want to dive and try it out first? What would you want? I don't know about you, but I would want a lifeguard to say, excuse me, don't jump in there. It's only three feet. You will break your noggin. I wouldn't then go, oh, how dare you? My name's not Karen. Wouldn't you want someone to tell you if you're about to do something really dumb? Hey, don't dive in the pool. It's shallow. Yes, thank you. 
Thank you for telling me that. Remember what Tisa said recently about, uh, are you selling something or sharing something? I would say, to connect it to this, are you protecting how you look to get an attaboy? I'm doing really good. Look at how I'm doing really good. Or are you saying, well, this is kind of what I did. And what do you think? Putting on a false self to look good, that would be what Jesus called a whitewashed tomb. Looks real good on the outside. It's been whitewashed. It's been painted. Man, that's got good trim. Don't open it up on the inside. There is death and decay. It smelled bad. And that's you when you try to put on a good face. What's that saying? Lipstick on a pig. <laughs> I think you can see that one clearly. <laughs> you don't have to look inside. But that might be a better analogy. Honestly, we can see you when you put lipstick on that pig. We ain't got to look inside. It stinks. Personally, I used to get a lot of false flattery. I loved it. I shaped my whole life around it. Because I didn't know who I was, I would find what I could get flattery for, and I would make that my purpose. This is finally my purpose. Everyone celebrates me when I do this. That's what led me to being a people pleaser. <laughs> I was celebrated for being congenial. Okay, everyone can have their way. That's my purpose, for everyone to have their way with me. Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. That's not a purpose. I don't know if you know that. It's terrible. <laughs> Get some boundaries. Do you see how love's correction would be protection for what I grew up in there? It was. So because of that, I did things like podcasting. And lots of people listened to me talk, my sweet little voice, on things that no one should ever care about to talk about for hours. But people said, hey, I like the way you sound there on that radio. I'm going to send you money. And I said, my purpose has been unveiled. Here I am because lots of comments on the Facebook say, I like the way I sound. Do you want your purpose from Facebook comments? No. I don't. Now I don't. I did then. I was in a band for a long time, toured the US of A playing that music, and I had people say, I like your blue mohawk and the way you stopped that bass. And I said, my purpose has been found. Unfortunately, I was miserable. It did not fulfill me because it was a lie. <laughs> that part was in my notes. Sing this line. That wasn't my notes. I was not fulfilled, and I most definitely wasn't mature. People correcting me even helped me to learn how to hear God's correction versus my soul's self-condemnation. Because I learned... Oh, when you correct me, there's this, yeah, it kind of hurts, kind of makes me, but then there's this love to it. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Oh, here it is. Here's my line. Oh, it's for my good, not just their benefit? Wow. <laughs> so I learned through that, and I'm still learning how to be fathered through others correcting me. If you are coming here to this house, to this church, and you don't want this, and you come to every small group every week and try to look good in your answers, try to come up with the perfect answer to look good, like, this is what they're looking for, I got it, and hoping that no one brings up anything you did during the service, that you don't get a phone call there going, hey, why don't you do that thing? If you're trying to avoid all of that, you can do that, sure. You can avoid all the correction. You can do that going to be real weird. It's like showing up to the gym every weekend to have a bowl of ice cream. Why are you doing what you're doing? You're going to get a lot of weird stares. Try it. Go to the gym. Just eat a bowl of ice cream. Sit down on the bench. How's it going? There's a good ice cream. I come here every Tuesday. Can you believe it? I know we're trying not to use the word weird, but that's weird. You're welcome. Come sit in the small group and eat your ice cream. And we're all going to wonder, why don't they want to be trained for their purpose? Stop eating ice cream. Work out a little bit. It's fun. Promise. You'll feel better. The ice cream makes you sick eventually. 
takes people a long time to get there. I like that analogy. That's something that the Holy Spirit showed to me when I uh, was just looking through some puzzle pieces yesterday. And then he said to me to think about movie stars. And so I did. What do the movie stars do when they go to the gym? Why the movie stars go to the gym? They get a personal trainer. I don't know if you know that. They will get a personal trainer specifically for a goal because they have a purpose. They know that they need to be uh, ready to do a job, to do a role in a timeline. They have a certain timeline before. They have to be ready to do a role. And so they get the personal trainer and say, I need you to make me like this by this time. We should be the same way. We should get somebody and say, I need you to help me become this man that God says I am because I am not enough to do it on my own. And I need your correction. I need you to see me and I will fully participate in everything that you say to me because I have a goal. I have a purpose and I wasn't made to do it on my own. Find you a dad, find you a mom. Find you a coach who will say, get out of bed. (laughs) Stop being stupid. (laughs) Oh, I have a verse on that. Can I just read this verse? I don't even know if it's going to be on topic. This is literally, I have like four verses at the end of my sermon. I was like, these might show up in some point, some reason. I love this. It's King James. It's new King James. Calm down. Whoever, this is Proverbs 12, 1 in the New King James. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. (laughs) I didn't say it. The Bible said it. (laughs) The Bible said it. It wasn't me. We'll read it in the Passion Version just so you don't have to go home with that. (laughs) To learn the truth, you must long to be teachable, or you can despise correction and remain ignorant. It's a little better. You're still ignorant. Ignorant. Remain ignorant if you want to. Show up with your ice cream at the gym and remain ignorant. Your choice. Get a personal trainer. I will say, too, it's not like there aren't people lining up, waiting, saying, I'll train you. Resources are available. And if you've heard little things drop through the grapevine and around here, there are some things coming that you could participate with if you want to receive the investment that people have to give and want to grow, I would encourage you to pursue this, to participate and bring your all to be shaped. There is one last point in this sermon. We have correction from the Father, from Jesus, from others to us. What do you think the last one is? We're going to flip it around. It's correction from us to others. You should want to be able to do this for others, to speak the truth and love to others. There should not be passivity among us. We should be able to see something and speak to it. You do love the person next to you, right? Are you sure? Just making sure. Do you correct them? I won't look at you. (laughs) It reminds me of, I used to tell this story, but then I remembered that it comes from a real life story. I remember talking about correction. When you're correcting someone else, it can feel a way because it can be like pulling a toddler off a highway they're not going to think that's a nice thing you just did to them. They're probably going to scream, and you might feel bad for having done it. Much better than letting them play on the highway. I realize that's from a true story (laughs) that I heard from my brother, well, from my parents about my brother, that my dad, in all of his wisdom, once told my brother, why don't you go play on the highway? We lived by a highway, so he did. I don't know how that story really went. I just know my memories of it. But I'm sure when my brother was pulled off that highway, he was not very happy about it because, let's be honest, he was probably being a little snot. Probably wasn't (laughs) just totally ignorant of the, the safety issue going on there. But still, if you pull a child off the highway, they will probably be like, I don't like the way this feels. But you have to be willing to because you love them to save their life. 
it's the same as the lifeguard thing. I want to tell somebody if I see them about to jump into a pool with three feet of water, hey, don't do that. I value your head. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go, someone else will get it. <laughs> they might be mad at me. They might want to swim. I shouldn't say anything. Now, I have to say this. Don't be black and white when correcting others. It takes relationship with the Holy Spirit to really see where they are and what they need. Our leaders are great at this. I've seen them gently correct people, and I've seen them go at it with both barrels. Both led to success in changing a person's heart because each one is needed in a different situation. And we're all leaders here, right? This is a house of leaders. One of the ways to steward what we have here is to learn to speak when you see something. But know what your leaning is. Know if you're, it's easy for you to come in hot and learn to gently correct. But if you have a problem with passivity and not saying anything, then get in there and be shaped. Say something, do something, let it be shaped. Yeah. Don't be afraid to make a mess because that's how you learn. Yeah. True. You can't be corrected if you don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> that is how we learn. And it's just an excuse to not grow when we say, I don't want to mess up anything. I don't want to do the wrong thing. Now, I will caution you, do not do this if you can't receive it. If you cannot receive correction, don't try giving it out. That's I will ask you to stop, probably. <laughs> you won't be able to do it lovingly. So look Oh, I think I skipped a verse at some point. I did skip a verse. Let's read this verse. I had a note to said to look back at the verse. So let's look at the verse for the first time. Galatians 6, 1 in the voice. My spiritual brothers and sisters, if one of our faithful has fallen into a trap and is snared by sin, don't stand idle and watch his demise. Harshly restore him. Oh, it's not what it says. It says, I got a couple of you. <laughs> Gently restore him, being careful not to step into your own snare. So now think about what I just said. If you can't receive it, you won't be able to do it lovingly. Be careful not to step into your own snare. That's important. You should want to be corrected. If you don't want to be corrected, but you love correcting others, that's what we call a snare. It's going to bite you in the buttocks. It ain't going to be good. So you should get counsel and learn to receive correction. Then, after you have tried correcting someone, get feedback. How did that go? From somebody who knows how to do it, not just from anyone. How did that, not, maybe not even from the person you did it with. That can come, but they might not like it. <laughs> and you might have done a great job. So go up a little higher. Yeah to a mom, to a dad, to a coach. How did I do here? This is what happened. What do you think of that? And let them shape you and keep on doing it as you grow in love. I like that Proverbs Tisa read recently and Proverbs eleven fourteen. People lose their way without wise leadership, but the nation succeeds and stands in victory when it has many good counselors to guide it. You can get it on both ends. You don't even have to wait to just get feedback. You can go up front. This is what I'm planning on doing. This is what I'm thinking. What do you think about that? And then when you mess it up, you can receive the correction. Be like, thank you. And you can pursue it, which is what we call feedback. <laughs> That's you pursuing the correction and say, I would like correction. Could you correct me? Because I don't think that went well. We often know when it doesn't go well, but we go, I don't think that went well, but maybe it did. I'm, Holy Spirit, did it go well? I think it did. I think it probably did. I'm not even going to listen to what you say. Okay, I'm good. I feel good. I feel good about it. I'm going to forget it. I'm going to go play Xbox. Ooh. Or you could say, I don't feel good about that. Let me call somebody and learn how to do it better. Because I am teachable, not ignorant. I'm going to read one of my other supplemental verses at the bottom. I actually wrote that. Supplemental verses. First Corinthians 3. Verses 1 through 3 in the Passion. 
Brothers and sisters. Oh, should I be? Brothers and sisters. You got to get it. You got to get it with passion. When I was with you, this is Paul. Remember when I said that just read some Paul and you'll get some correction? This is it. This is, it's going to be, hold on to your seats. Brothers and sisters, whom I dearly love, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as people who were spiritually mature. For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of a more advanced teachings because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food, for you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Now, spirit in the lead or soul in the lead? Which one do you think is multiple choice test? Gain your soul. You can't be fed solid food because you're in your soul. I had this other one in Hebrews. It's kind of long, but I'm just going to skip over it and say that it says the same thing. You still need milk and can't be fed, but you should be leaders by now is what it says. He says right here, you should be leaders by now, but you still need milk because you're in your soul. It says that you are not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. That sounds like harsh. That sounds like it hurts. That's correction, pierced by the revelation of righteousness. That's correction. Adequately trained by what you've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. Adequately trained. I know I said I wasn't going to read it, but then I read like two verses. So just for you note takers, Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 in the Passion. I read half of it. You're welcome. Adequately trained. I think we read earlier in my verses that training is part of correction. I'm going to read it in one more version. Did I read it in the message? I don't think I read it in the message. Maybe I did. I'm going to read it again. Deal with it. (laughs) Proverbs 27, 5 through 6 in the message. A spoken reprimand is better than approval that's never expressed. The wounds from a lover are worth it. Kisses from an enemy will do you in. Selah. So, you want to be corrected. Confront anything in yourself, anything in your soul that wants to hide your immaturity and would rather have false flattery than love's correction. Be grateful. Be so grateful. Wake up grateful that God brought you to a tribe of truth tellers. I will say that that is probably one of the biggest reasons why you cannot receive correction because you're not grateful for it. I maybe venture to say that maybe the thing about humility applies here. Can you be taught gratefulness? I think you got to choose it. You got to make that choice. I am grateful. I am grateful that someone counted the costs and said you were valuable enough for me to speak to you in the way that corrects you, in the way that trains you. Whew. That's love. That is love. Our leaders in this house love so well. I'll say it again. Most everyone here, I think everyone here that I can see, has been transformed because someone in this house was sacrificially willing to speak truth to you. Not because it was comfortable, not because it was fun, not because they didn't have anything better to do on a Saturday night. But because they said, I see value in you. I see what you could be. And I want you to be that. So, everybody, practice this with me. Say, soul. Soul. Step back. Step back. Papa. Papa. I want to be fathered. Sit there for a moment. See the father's eyes looking at you and say it again. Papa, I want to be fathered. So, Papa, thank you that you made us to be shaped, that you value us, 
You see gold in us. You made us to be world changers. You made us to do great things. You called us good. You saw me and you said, you're good. I call you good. And now I'm going to bring out that goodness. I'm going to shape it. I'm going to mold it. And so, Papa, I say to you, I yield to your hands. Shape me, mold me, correct me. Thank you. I will change that. I will learn to love this process with you and in the family that you place me in. I will learn to love correction. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. 